Chapter Fifteen: The Victorious Attitude by Orson Sweat Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How to Stay Young? We do not count a man's years until he has nothing else to count. R. W. Emerson. The ability to hold mentally the picture of youth in all its glory, vivacity, and splendor has a powerful influence in restraining the old age process. Old age begins in the heart. When the heart grows cold, the skin grows old and the appearance of age impress themselves on the body the mind becomes blighted the ideals blurred and the juices of life congealed many people look forward to old age as a time when as a recent writer puts it you have a feeling that no one wants you that all those you have borne and brought up have long passed out onto roads where you cannot follow that even the thought life of the world streams by so fast that you lie up in a backwater feebly blindly groping for the full of the water and always pushed gently hopelessly back there is such a thing as old age of this kind but not for those who face life in the right way such a pathetic such a tragic ending is not for those who love and are loved because they keep their hearts open to the joys and sorrows of life who maintain a sympathetic interest in their fellow-beings and in the progress and uplift of the world who keep their faculties sharpened by use, and whose minds are constantly reaching out, broadening and growing, in the love and service of humanity. A dismal, useless old age is only for those who have not learned how to live. Growth in knowledge and wisdom should be the only indication of our added years. Professor Michnikoff, the greatest authority on age, believes that it is possible to prolong life, with its maximum of vigor and freshness, until the end of its normal cycle when the individual will gratefully welcome what will be a perfectly happy release at this point he claims that the instinct of death will supplant the instinct of life when the bodily mechanism approaches the natural end of normal exhaustion he believes that men should live and maintain their usefulness for at least one hundred and twenty years the author of philosophy of longevity tells us that man can live to be two hundred years old Jean Finot says, Speaking physiologically, the human body possesses peerless solidity. Not one of the machines invented by man could resist for a single year the incessant taxes which we impose upon ours, yet it continues to perform its functions notwithstanding. What we have a horror of is the premature death of the faculties, the cutting off of power, opportunity, the decay of the body many years before the close of life on earth we shudder at the giving up of a large part of life that has potency of work of action and of happiness this horror of senility increases because life continually grows more interesting there never was a time when it seemed so precious so full of possibilities when there was so much to live for as in this glorious present there never was a time when it seemed so hard to be forced out of the life race we are on the eve of a new and marvelous era and the whole race is on the tiptoe of expectancy. Never before was the thought of old age as represented by decay and enforced inactivity so repugnant to man. But why should any one look forward to such a period? It is just this looking forward, the anticipating and dreading the coming of old age, that makes us old, senile, and useless. The creative forces inside of us build on our suggestions, on our thought models, and if we constantly thrust into our consciousness old-age thoughts and pictures of decrepitude, 
of declining faculties, these thoughts and pictures will be reproduced in the body. A few years ago, a young man died of old age in a New York hospital. After an autopsy, the surgeon said that while the man was in reality only 23 years old, he was internally 80. If you have arrived at an age which you accept as a starting point for physical deterioration, your body will sympathize with your conviction. Your walk, your gait, your expression, your general appearance, and even your acts will all fall into line with your mental attitude. A short time ago, I was talking with a remarkable man of sixty about growing old. The thought of the inevitableness of the aging process appalled him. No matter, he declared, what efforts he might make to avert or postpone the decrepitude of age, there would come a period of diminishing returns, and though he might fight against it, he would ever after be on the decline of life, going irrevocably toward the sunset, even nearer and nearer to the time when he should be useless. The conviction that every moment, every hour, every day takes me so much nearer to that hole in the ground from which no power in heaven or earth can help us to escape is ever present in my mind, he said. This progressive, ever active retrogression is monstrous. This inevitable, decrepit old age staring me in the face is robbing me of happiness, paralyzing my efforts and discouraging my ambition. But why do you dwell on these things that terrify you? I asked. Why do you harbor such old-age thoughts? Why are you visualizing decrepitude, the dulling and weakening of your mental faculties? If you have such a horror of decrepitude, the loss of memory, the failing eyesight, the hesitating step, and the general deterioration which you believe accompany old age, why don't you get away from these terrifying thoughts, put them out of your mind instead of dwelling on them? Don't you know that what you concentrate on, what you fear, the pictures that so terrify you, are creating the very conditions which you would give anything to escape? If you really wish to stay the old age processes, you must change your thoughts. Erase everything that has to do with age from your mind. Visualize youthful conditions. Say to yourself, God is my life. I cannot grow old in spirit, and that is the only age to fear. As long as my spirit is youthful, as long as the boy in me lives, I cannot age. The great trouble with those who are getting along in years is that they put themselves outside of the things that would keep them young. Most people, after fifty, begin to shun children and youth generally. They feel that it is not becoming to their years to act as they did when younger, and day by day they gradually fall more and more into old-age ways and habits. We build into our lives the picture patterns which we hold in our minds. This is a mental law. When you have reached the time at which most people show traces of their age, you imagine that you must do the same. You begin to think that you probably have done your best work, and that your powers must henceforth decline. You imagine that your faculties are deteriorating, that they are not quite so sharp as they once were, that you cannot endure quite so much, and that you ought to begin to let up a little, to take less exercise, to do less work, to take life a little easier. The moment you allow yourself to think your powers are beginning to decline, they will do so, and your appearance and bodily conditions will follow your convictions. If you hold the thought that your ambition is sagging, that your faculties are deteriorating, you will be convinced that younger men have the advantage of you, and voluntarily at first you will begin to take a back seat, figuratively speaking, behind the younger men. Once you do this, you are doomed to be pushed farther and farther to the rear. 
you will be taken at your own valuation. Having made a confession of age, acknowledged in thought and act that, in so far as work and productive returns are concerned, you are no longer the equal of young men. They will naturally be preferred before you. If people who have aged prematurely could only analyze the influences which have robbed them of their birthright of youth, they would find that most of them were a false conviction that they must grow old at about such a time, needlessly worry, all worry is needless. Silly anxiety, which often comes from vanity, jealousy, and the indulgence of such passions as excessive temper, revenge, and all sorts of unhealthy thinking, if they could only eliminate these influences from their lives, they would take a great leap back toward youthfulness. If it were possible to erase all of the scars and wrinkles, all the effects of our aging thoughts, aging emotions, moods, and passions, many of us would be so transformed, so rejuvenated, that our friends would scarcely know us. Aging thoughts and moods and passions make old men and women of most of us in middle life. The laws of renewal, of rejuvenation, are always operating in us, and will be effective if we do not neutralize them by wrong thinking. The chemical changes caused in the blood and other secretions by worry, fear, the operation of the explosive passions, or by any depressing mental disturbance, will put the aging process in action. Whatever we establish as a fixed conviction in our lives we transmit to our children, and this conviction gathers cumulative force all the way down the centuries. Every child in Christian countries is born with the race belief that threescore years or threescore years and ten is a sort of a measure of the limit to human life. This has crystallized into a race belief, and we begin to prepare for the end much in advance of the period fixed. As long as we hold this belief, we cannot bar out of our minds the consequent suggestion that when we pass the half-century limit our powers begin to decline. The very idea that we have reached our limit of growth, that any hope of further progress must be abandoned, tends to etch the old-age picture and conviction deeper and deeper in our minds, and of course the creative processes can only produce the pattern given them. Some men cross the zenith line, from which they believe they must henceforth go downhill, a quarter of a century or more earlier than others, because we cross this line of demarcation mentally first, cross it when we are convinced that we have passed the maximum of our producing power, and have reached the period of diminishing returns. Many people have what they are pleased to call a premonition that they will not live beyond a certain age, and that becomes a focus toward which the whole life points. They begin to prepare for the end. Their conviction that they are to die at a certain time largely determines the limitation of their years. Not long since at a banquet, I met a very intelligent, widely read man who told me that he felt perfectly sure he could not possibly live to be an old man. He cited as a reason for his belief the analogy which runs through all nature, showing that plants, animals, and all forms of life which mature early also die early and because he was practically an adult at fifteen, he was convinced that he must die comparatively young. He said he was like a poplar tree in comparison with an oak. The one matured early and died early, the other matured late and was very long-lived. So thoroughly this man was under the dominion of his belief that he must die early, that he is making no fight for longevity. He does not take ordinary care of his health or necessary precautions in time of danger. What's the use? he says, of trying to fight against nature's laws. 
I might as well live while I live, enjoy all I can, and try to make up for an early death. Multitudes of people start out in youth handicapped by a belief that they have some hereditary taint, a predisposition to some disease that will probably shorten their lives. They go through life with this restricting, limiting thought so deeply embedded in the very marrow of their being that they never even try to develop themselves to their utmost capacity. Our achievement depends very largely on the expectancy plan, the life pattern we make for ourselves. If we make our plan to fit only one half or one third of the time we ought to live, naturally we will accomplish only a fraction of what we are really capable of doing. I have a friend who from boyhood has been convinced that he would not live much, if any, beyond forty years, because both of his parents had died before that age. Consequently, he never planned for a long life of steady growth and increasing power, and the result is he has not brought anything like all of his talent possibilities into activity, or accomplished a fourth of what he is really capable it is infinitely better to believe that we are going to live much longer than there is any possibility we shall than to cut off precious years by setting a fixed date for our death simply because one or both of our parents happen to die about such an age or because we fear we have inherited some disease such as cancer which is likely to develop fatally at about a certain time just think of the pernicious influence upon a child's mind at the constant suggestion that it will probably die very young because its parents or some of its relatives did that even if it is fortunate enough to survive the diseases and accidents of youth and early maturity it is not possible to extend its limits of life much if any beyond a certain point yet we burn this and similar suggestions into the minds of our children until they become a part of their lives we celebrate birthdays and mark off each reoccurring anniversary as a red-letter day and fix in our minds the thought that we are a year older. All through our mature life the picture of death is kept in view, the idea that we must expect it and prepare for it at about such a time. The truth is the death suggestion has wrought more havoc and marred more lives than almost anything else in human history. It is responsible for most of the fear, which is the greatest curse of the race. A noted physician says that if children, instead of hearing so much about death, were trained more in the principles of immortality, they would retain their youth very much longer and would extend their lives to a much greater length than is now general. I believe the time will come when the custom of celebrating birthdays, of emphasizing the fact that we are a year older, that we are getting so much nearer the end, will be done away with children will not then be reminded so forcibly once in three hundred and sixty-five days that each birthday is a milestone in age we shall know that the spirit is not affected by years that its very essence is youth and immortality in our inmost souls we shall realize that there is a life principle within us that knows neither age nor death we shall find that old age is largely a question of mental attitude and that we shall become what we are convinced we must become as a matter of fact, the average length of life is steadily increasing, because science is teaching men how to live so as to conserve health and youth. Formerly, men and women grew old very much earlier than they do now, and they died much younger. We do not think so much about dying as they used to in the early days of this country, when to prepare for the future life seemed to be the chief occupation of our Puritan ancestors. 
they had very little use for this world and did not try to enjoy life here very much they were always talking and praying and singing about the life over there while making the life here gloomy and forbidding they forgot that the religion christ taught was one of joy there is no greater foe to the aging process than joy hope good cheer gladness these are the incarnation of youthful spirit if you would keep young cultivate the spirit think youthful thoughts live much with youth enter into their lives into their sports their plays their ambitions play the youthful part not half-heartedly but with enthusiasm and zest you cannot use any ability until you think until you believe you can your reserve power will stand in the background until your self-faith calls it into action if you want to stay young you must act as if you felt young if you do not wish to grow old quit thinking and acting as if you were aging instead of walking with drooped shoulders and with a slow dragging gait straighten up and put elasticity into your steps do not walk like an old man whose energies are waning whose youthful fires are spent step with the springiness of a young man full of life spirit and vigor the body is not old until the mind gives consent stop thinking of yourself as an old man or an old woman cease manifesting symptoms of decrepitude remember that the impression that you make upon others will react upon yourself if other people get the idea that you are going downhill physically and mentally you will have all the more to overcome in your effort to change their convictions when we are ambitious to obtain a certain thing and our hearts are set on it we strive for it we contact with it mentally and through our thoughts we become vitally related to it we establish a connection with the coveted object in other words we do everything in our power to obtain it and the mental effort is a real force which tends to match our dream with its realization an up-to-date modern woman is a good example of what i mean she does not act like an old lady and does not put on an old lady's garb after she has passed the half-century milestone we do not see the old lady's cap the old lady's gown of the past any more women getting along in years nowadays dress more youthfully and appear younger than their grandmothers did at the same age they do everything to make themselves appear young men are much more likely than women to grow careless in regard to their personal appearance as they grow older they wear their hair longer they let their beard grow they stoop their shoulders drag their feet when they walk and begin to neglect their dress they are not as careful in any respect to retain their youthful appearance as women who resort to all sorts of expedients to ward off the signs of age and to retain their attractiveness the habit of growing old must be combated as we combat any other vicious habit by reversing the process by which it is formed instead of surrendering and giving up to old age convictions and fears stoutly deny them and affirm the opposite when the suggestion comes to you that your powers are waning that you cannot do what you once did prove its falsity by exercising the faculties which you think are weakening giving up is only to surrender to age we tend to find what we look for in this world and if as we advance in years we are always looking for signs of old age we will find them if you are constantly on the alert for symptoms of failing faculties you will discover plenty of them and the danger of this is that we are apt to take our unfortunate moods for permanent symptoms that is some day perhaps you cannot think as clearly you cannot concentrate your mind as well 
you do not remember as readily as you did the day before and you immediately jump to the conclusion that a man of your age must begin to fail cannot expect as much of himself as when he was younger in other words a person whose mind is concentrated upon his aging processes is inclined to draw a wrong conclusion from his temporary moods and feelings mistaking them for permanent conditions the majority of people who are showing the signs of premature aging are suffering from chronic thought poison that is the chronic old age poison from the cradle they have heard old age talk the reiteration of the old age belief that when a person reached about such an age he would then naturally begin to let up to prepare for the end and so instead of fighting off age by holding the eternal youth thought and vigor thought they have held the thoughts of weakness and declining powers when they begin to forget something they say their memory is beginning to go back on them their sight will soon begin to fail and they will go on anticipating signs of decline and decrepitude until the old age visualization is built into the very structure of their bodies instead of forming the habit of looking for signs of age form the habit of looking for signs of youth form the habit of thinking of your body as robust and supple and your brain as strong and active never allow yourself to think that you are on the decline that your faculties are on the wane that they are not as sharp as they used to be and that you cannot think as well because your cells are becoming old and hard he ages who thinks he ages he keeps young who believes he is young we get a good hint of the power of mental influence in the marvelous way in which many of our actresses and grand opera singers retain their youthfulness because they feel that it is imperative that they should do so had sarah bernhardt adelina patty lily lehman madame schumann hink lillian russell and scores of other actresses and singers pursued any other vocation they would undoubtedly have been at least ten perhaps twenty years older in appearance than they are there are too many exceptions to the race belief that man's powers begin to wane at fifty sixty or seventy to allow oneself to be influenced by it we really ought to do our best to work after fifty if the brain is kept alive fresh and young and the brain cells are not ruined by a vicious life worry fear selfishness or by disease introduced by wrong living or thinking the mind will constantly increase in vigor and power men and women whose faculties are sharp and whose minds are keen and vigorous at ninety and even a hundred prove this i know a number of men in their seventies and eighties who are as sturdy and vigorous physically and mentally to-day as they were twenty years ago only recently i was talking with a businessman who broke down at forty from overstrain but who is now in his eightieth year more buoyant and elastic in mind and body than many men at fifty this man does not believe in growing old because he knows that ten years ago he did not have a bit of the cell material in his body that he has to-day why should i stamp this new body cells with fourscore years he says when not a single one of them may be a quarter of that age many of us do not realize the biological fact that nature herself bestows upon us the power of perpetual renewal there is not a cell in our bodies that can possibly become very old because all of them are frequently renewed physiologists tell us that the tissue cells from some muscles are renewed every few months some authorities estimate that eighty or ninety per cent of all the cells in the body of a person of ordinary activity are entirely renewed within a couple of years one's mental attitude however is the most important of all 
there's no possible way of keeping young while convinced that one must inevitably manifest the characteristics of old age the old age thoughts stamp themselves upon the new body cells so that they very soon look forty fifty sixty or seventy years old we should hold tenaciously the conviction that none of the cells of the body can be old because they are constantly being renewed a large part of them every few months it is impossible for the processes producing senility to get control of the system or to make very serious changes in the body unless the mind first gives its consent age is not so much a matter of years as of the limpidity the suppleness of protoplasm in the cells of the body and there is nothing which will age the protoplasm like aging thoughts and serenity enemies such as worry anxiety fear anger hatred revenge or any discordant emotion if you keep your protoplasm young by holding your youthful ideals there is no reason why you should not live well into the teens of your second century constantly affirm i am young because i am perpetually renewed my life comes new every instant from the infinite source of life i am new every morning and fresh every evening because i live move and have my being in him who is the source of all life not only affirm this mentally but also audibly make this picture of perpetual rejuvenation and recreation so vivid that you will feel the thrill of youthful renewal through your entire system some people try to cure the physical ravages made by wrong living and wrong thinking by patching their bodies from the outside the beauty parlors in our great cities are besieged by women who are desperately trying to maintain their youthful appearance not realizing that the elixir of youth is in one's own mind not in bottles or boxes is there anything quite so ghastly as to see an old lady really old because her heart is no longer young with a painted or enameled face dressed like a young girl such a woman deceives no one but herself other people can see the old dry skin beneath the rouge they can see the wrinkles which she tries to disguise she cannot cover up her age with such frivolous pretenses the painting of cheeks the wearing of girlish frocks do not make a person young it is largely a question of the age of the mind if the mind has become hardened dry uninteresting if there is no charm in the personality one is old no matter what his or her years count idle selfish women of wealth who live an animal life who are constantly doing things which hasten the appearance of old age overeating overdrinking oversleeping idling life away having nothing to do but gratify every luxurious whim are the best customers of beauty doctors who try to erase the marks of old age by treating the skin and hair doctoring the effects instead of trying to remove the cause of old age has never been and can never be really successful you cannot repair the ravages of age on the outside you must remove the cause which is in the mind in the heart when the afflictions are marbleized when one ceases to be sympathetic and helpful and interested in life the ravages of old age will appear in spite of all the beauty doctors in the world i know indolent wives of rich men who cannot understand why they age so rapidly in appearance when living such easy carefree worry-free lives they are puzzled to know why it is when they do not have to work when they have no cares when their wants are all supplied without any effort of theirs they do not retain their youthful appearance many years longer than they do the fact is those women stagnate 
and nothing ages one faster than mental and physical stagnation work useful employment of some sort is the price of all real growth of all real human expansion he or she who indulges in continuous idleness pays the price in constant deterioration physical mental and moral a ship lying idle in the wharf will rot and go to destruction much more rapidly than a ship at sea in constant use every force in nature seems to combine in corroding destroying the unused thing the idle person work love kindness sympathy helpfulness unselfish interest these are the eternal youth essences these never age and if you make friends with them they will act like a leaven in your life enriching your nature sweetening and ennobling your character and prolonging your youth even to the century mark we are learning that the fabled fountain of youth lies in ourselves is in our own mentality perpetual rejuvenation and renewal are possible through right thinking we look as old as we think and feel because thought and feeling maintain or change our appearance in exact accordance with their persistence or their variations it is impossible to appear youthful and remain young unless we feel young youthful thinking should be a life habit End of chapter 15